Ladies and gentlemen, and our friends beyond the binary, it is time to put your ears together for Indie A. <laughs> Love the smell of a burning laptop fan in the morning. Here there be social media dragons. We fight them together. Are you with me? May the door be with you. Will it render or will it crash? Just cross everything. That's that's all we got. There's no place like audio Hello, you super gorgeous folk, and welcome to Indie AF with me, Sarah Golding. Hello. Today, if you were thinking this podcast needs wires, and maybe you were, maybe you weren't, I'm afraid you're wrong. Yes, because no, no, we're going tirelessly wireless today to speak to one of the legends working at the coalface of the glorious happy birthday to you, wireless theatre and all of its wares. Yes, it's the fantabulous David Beck. Woohoo! Enjoy. Hello, it's me, Sarah Golding, and welcome to another glorious, fun episode of Indie AF. Yes, I hope you're having a groovy one. Are you plugged in, comfortable and ready for some tip-top advice and shared experience that could change the very face of how you think, how you work, how you play in the realms of audio fiction, are you, are you? Well, marvellous, because today, today, my brilliant guest is going to give us a whale of a time. You'll see what I did there later. He was there at the beginning, prime audio soup of wireless theatre creation, a producer, actor, director, top dad, co-founder of Stopped Clock Theatre Company and audible Nida with a K and Nida without a K of sounds and talent well it's only the brilliant david beck hello david beck how are you i'm good i'm good thank you what, what an intro my Hooray. god I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show it, it's just brilliant to have someone so so entrenched in the realms of storytelling oh well thank you not a single stumble either it was immaculate <laughs> i don't know we'll see what happens in the edit but <laughs> so yes welcome heartily to india af david and you know you pop your slippers on and light your pipe and smoke it if you I've already got mine on the go here because um, today our listeners are going to learn a, a thing or two about what it took to make a classic epic audio drama aren't they into fruition and uh, you and your team are responsible are you not for bringing the epic classic Moby Dick amongst other things to audio uh, is that right <laughs> that's right yeah no that's right uh, sort of towards the back end of last year early this year mm, lockdown um, madness <laughs> well sort of in a bit of a yeah, a slight relaxing of things in the middle somewhere. Mm. It was, yeah, we'd done some stuff which had been very strictly in lockdown and this sort of came in a little bit of a window where things were not quite as strict but still a bit tricksy. How exciting, yeah. Yeah, at a time when actors were very pleased to be out and about, oh. you know, everyone was happy to be there. Bless them, all of them. Uh, <laughs> let them out <laughs> into the sunshine. That's uh, it. And is it right that this Moby Dick was made in collaboration with Wireless Theatre and Audible, yes? That's right, yeah. And so how did that kind of collaboration come about? Because I'm wondering how, if it's possible, that other independent creatives who might want to try that kind of collaboration could strive to do that kind of connecting. What do they need to do? Well... Yeah, so we've been sort of making stuff with Audible for some time, and the yeah. writer, a uh, guy called Marty Ross, who's oh, done quite a legend. lot of our, yeah, bit of an audio drama legend, and has done yes. quite a lot of stuff with us with Audible. But we were involved with him before that, yeah, um, and so I think he sort of 
he came with us or we came with him. I'm not quite sure what happened. <laughs> just been holding first. hands for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's very loyal. And um, yeah, I don't know how he goes about adapting these novels, but he <laughs> seems to have a real knack for it. And I would suggest that, you know, he's quite persistent, Marty, when, yeah. as a writer to sort of get in there and he's relentless. So I think he's not given up um and in the quieter spells when he's perhaps not getting as much with them he's persistent um Mm. and then for us yeah I think we've sort of been there they weren't making much audio drama when we first started there was a lot of books and podcasts and stuff so we've been fortunate enough to sort of be involved in developing particularly this long content sort of Mm. stuff great developing processes with them um, but you know they 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 accept pitches and all that sort of thing. So I would say that's the best way to go about getting in there is mm-hmm. to pitch stuff to them. Super. And and you yourselves also have encouraged folks to get in touch. I've seen as well with with some super stories, haven't you? And, and are you involved in any of that kind of collaborative? Yeah. Excitement? So wireless is still making stuff. Um, you know, for the website, and you know we accept pictures and, and read them and get back to people and actually even from a sort of producer director perspective I quite like people getting in touch with me actors and writers uh, welcome to email me and I do try and sort of respond to everyone and consider everyone and get people in how exciting um, can you hear the typing of keyboard CVs being sent <laughs> pictures being put together yeah. excellent thank you that's so good to know and do you get a lot of that I mean what kind of um ratio to contact have you had so far in 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 indie realms well I mean yeah quite a lot of I think people pass on your details and I don't mind that you know I was an actor initially myself and I know how difficult it is and how difficult it can be when people don't respond to you or you feel unheard and so I really try and do my best to get back to people but then also to get them in stuff you know check right. out what they've done or they're real or whatever and uh and, and use them in something why not i don't see that there's any reason not to include people so how exciting um i think that's right don't you i think that's yes. the right way to go about I it i totally agree and i think that's the thing i know um I, I spoke to various folks including marielle from from wireless who've highly recommended writing to producers whose works you've loved and saying that you've loved that thing and if they've got any room for a voice like yours please hire me kind of thing which you know is is grand advice everyone's got an ego that needs feeding right so yes like, it, is, it does as nice to hear that you know yeah. as, as for anyone else so yeah Brilliant, brilliant. Um, and and what has inspired you to take this kind of creative path? Because from your gentle CV that I very quickly summarised, you know, you've worked in theatre and done all sorts and directing seems to be something that you, you love to do too. Well, yeah. Uh, so I was pursuing the acting thing. I, I knew quite quickly after drama school that I, I don't know, for various reasons, wasn't going to be able to hack it as a profession um right i just became more anxious as a grown-up than i was mm, don't blame you it's you know, hard <laughs> it's hard and i wasn't enjoying having that as my job and I, right. so I sort of knew that i would prefer to be telling other people yeah how to go about it maybe or and so obviously i'd done a lot for wireless as an actor and so it was a logical progression to help out as a director producer mm. when it was small and doing sort of small in-studio stuff and live stuff yes and that's then, exciting yeah yeah that was fun and then it just sort of was a natural progression that when wireless was working at audible i was sort of there 
And you know, it suits me because I obviously I'm creative, but I'm quite <laughs> quite neurotic with my admin. <laughs> and there's, uh, you know, with an eight-hour drama, there's a lot of prep, and yes. I get a lot out of that element of it. You know, I don't find that stuff boring. I quite like. I'm quite a planner. Ah, so. good, good. So that's key it, thing. To, to, it fits my mm. skill set, I suppose. Mm. And with regards to exciting you, like what kind of projects have you really enjoyed? playing with and and what kind of things do you kind of want to see more being pitched or more styles of, of which on on the audio drama kind of circuit well you know we've done to mention Moby Dick at the start we've done a few of these classics mm. and it's a good opportunity to get into a classic and sort of explore why it's a classic like Moby Dick but also we did Treasure Island yes. and we did Three Musketeers yeah. and you know these swashbuckling adventures oh, are, are really fun mm. Um, and I think that genre works well for audio. Um, but I've also enjoyed doing the horror stuff a little bit as well. I right. think that's another thing that sits well on audio. There's mm. a lot of good atmospheres to be created with horror. You know what? I'd like to do more comedy. Oh, we so need it right now. I know there's funny people everywhere. Well, so please write more stuff and send it to people. <laughs> Even if yeah, you're scared think- to, just try. Go on. <laughs> And I think it'd be nice to do something a bit more, a bit old school, which sort okay. of has a, maybe even has an audience present or something like that, some sort of old school comedy, mm. I don't know, sitcom or something. I think yeah, cool. I think I the world know. seems to have shied away from a sitcom for some bizarre reason. I mean, obviously they're very hard to do, I guess. You know, Faulty Towers is the pinnacle of everything that ever was, I feel. But, but you know, <laughs> there's still, still scope. And I know there's wonderful writers like Mr. David K. Barnes who I yearn to hear the next amazing thing that uh, he's going to write. You know, there's, there's some fantastic writers, Shannon K. Perry and Faith McQueen. There's so many lovely people working that, um, yeah, surely there's a script or two more to be found for, for sitcoms. So. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's tricky, isn't it, mm. to get right, I suppose. Maybe that's the trouble. But... Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Again, it's these hard. things are hard. Um, but yeah, so focusing around to Moby Dick, um, and obviously it's, it's already written, but had that uh, transferal to audio. Did you have any input with Marty with regards to how that was developed as an audio script at all? Um, well, we're sort of pally. Obviously, I've worked with him a lot over the years and tends to sort of tell me where he's at with stuff Mm. um but no largely uh, you know it's his thing and he lives on this incredible island up off the coast of scotland and he sits there and he adapts these epic tomes over the course of sort of three months and i don't know how he's he's very helpful as a director he's very helpful in that he writes so much for you in his scripts Mm. um obviously the high seas and everything's very visual yes um and there's a lot of potential there soundscape wise but he really does transform things very brilliantly Mm. into audio drama we've had worked on stuff in the past where you know there's it's just dialogue and you've got to put all that on there. But he does so much of that legwork for you. But no, he, he he's an incredible writer. And he, you know, when the script comes to us, and obviously he has to deal with people at Audible to get the script to where it is by the time it comes to us. Yes. And also he's very trusting, you know. He is happy to give the script to someone and let them interpret it. Mm. And he doesn't feel the need to be massive. Like he'll maybe have some casting suggestions and stuff like that but it's happy to let you take it on and then if he comes to the studio 
I think he enjoys that aspect where he's like, I just want to see what you think it should be like. Great. That's lovely, isn't it? What a lovely collaboration to be able to, yeah, be set free. (laughs) How exciting. And and so from having the script in its finished form, what uh, were the first steps to to plan its audio extravaganza? (laughs) Well, so obviously this was a bit unique because of the COVID thing. Right, yes. And we had restrictions on numbers in the studio primarily Mm. um which i guess you have to a certain extent um when you're scheduling something but that was troublesome we knew we could only have six actors and obviously you've got scenes with 10 plus characters so that means picking scenes apart and doing them two three times and slotting people in and all that sort of stuff but yeah yeah i think you're sort of the casting is huge in audio drama for me and getting the right voices in the right parts but also people who understand the format can sort of bring a level straight away Mm. um that's important and then yeah I think you've got to figure out how the hell you're gonna record it in a way that preserves everyone's experience you know again coming from an acting background I feel quite naturally that I want to preserve the experience for the actors which is trying to get as many people recording opposite as many people as possible and not take the scenes apart too much and not have someone performing to someone who isn't playing the part because they're not available or or they can't be you know yeah um but it's just it's just not always possible you know unfortunately particularly if you're working with higher profile people and they can't be there or they're in another country or whatever but yes so that's my first thing is how the hell are we going to record this and how are we going to get as many people together at one time without having someone sitting around all day and all that sort of boring stuff you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wonder if we could peel back a little bit before that to the actual casting process and and where you find your brilliant thrilling cast members are you a spotlight trawler or is it from you look at your own uh, kind of cohort first how how have you worked with this specific project well I mean in general I'd say try and do a little bit of everything I try and for example we talked before about people getting in touch Mm. out of nowhere I've got no qualms over using someone who's got in touch out of nowhere obviously checking out that they're the right person for the role or whatever Yes, but I've got no problem with doing that and obviously using a few people that you may have worked with before in smaller roles and giving them larger roles Mm -hmm. but yeah, looking on, obviously with Moby Dick as well, some of the casting slots are so specific and so unique. And we had to find a Native American in London, for example. Okay. And, you know, in this day and age, you need to try and find a Native American. You can't just use someone yeah. who can hash it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I try and be a bit fair and use, you know, some new people, um, mm. but then also be a bit loyal and use people who I feel like maybe deserved a bit more from another project um yes look on spotlight obviously if you need a you know zimbabwean or whatever mm-hmm. it might be you need to try and find someone authentic and hopefully you know people want to come back if they've been involved in something had a nice yeah. time then they want to come back yeah. or you know they've told their mates yeah. that they had a nice time <laughs> whoops what? What? Hey, what did you say enjoy your audio pictures of the day Oi. Limiting the list to five shows is painfully difficult. However, I'll start at the beginning with Jim French's Imagination Theatre. 
This production company was my gateway to the appreciation of the nostalgic style of storytelling and led into my complete, absolute adoration of audio drama. They hooked me with their long history of broadcasts on local radio that paired them with the classic shows, Suspense, Twilight Zone, Our Miss Brooks, all, all of them fabulous. Jim French gave us Detective Harry Nile and the entire catalog of Sherlock Holmes stories. Amelia Project. I'm forever fangirling over this show. It's always interesting, witty, layered, and surprising. The music and promo art are consistently fantastic. Episodes arrive in various styles and genres, which always keeps you jumping and keeps things interesting. Character backstories kind of tickle and satisfy a temporary measure of curiosity, but they open the door for further exploration and typically create more questions. <laughs> the core characters and the clients whose presence explodes into the office or off-site venues inhabit such a natural place in the ongoing stories. The creators are so successful in telling the stories in a way that they build a visual in an audio medium. Amelia Project also serves as a conduit to other shows as they are extremely generous with shout-outs for other shows they find interesting, and I've got to say, they've never steered me wrong. Cascadia by 911 Podcast Productions. It was great to see how guys new to podcasting pulled this first season together, even if only for a bite-sized five episodes. There's lots of suspense, intrigue, and thoughtful details tucked in, and I'm very much looking forward to season two. If you pay close attention, and if your ears can maybe squint, my voice can be heard as the Alexandria submarine, which only serves to fuel and indulge my Majel Barrett goals. Oz9! What a strange adventure! The creators embrace complete absurdity and hurdle the listeners through one hilarious episode after another. Plus, I am always a sucker for including a mime in an audio drama episode. And wrapping it up for this list is Horror Shop Radio. This is an entertaining anthology series for when you're in a specific mood. Sometimes you just want to listen to a horror story. It has been a pleasure as a listener, and also pleasure to lend my voice to several episodes of this show. I'd also like to send a thank you to all the creators out there for inviting us into your worlds and making your stories part of our lives. There is a podcast, there is a story that can sync with whatever moment in your life you're in. Whether you're commuting to work, whether you're running errands, doing housework, doing yard work, relaxing after a long day, there's always a podcast that fits. These are just, you know, five of them that have entertained me. So thank you very much. Whoops, what did we do? We shared all the highlights with you. Oi! I mean, 
kind of process do you go through when you, you've got that list of characters in front of you and you've kind of got a ballpark of, of the kind of character types you're after? Do you have like a spreadsheet kind of thing you go through and write down who's done what? And how, I mean, how how do you work uh, it to, to find uh, finesse it? Well, it? You develop a good memory for people you've worked with, mm. I think. I tend to look through... Uh, I look at experience a little bit, but I also I listen to voice reels. You know, ah, I think a, great. a voice reel is is a great thing, mm. um, and I think people who've got them should know that they're really valuable. Okay, and not just think that they've got one for no reason because they haven't. I think it's really sensible to have a voice reel and for. Uh, and I think largely it's a tricky thing at the moment, isn't it? Like people get into voice acting because they want to show that there are various things they can do with their yeah, voice. They want to have the best fun. Um, That's why I'm in, involved. <laughs> that's it but then there's also a bit of casting the right voice in the right part so it's a bit of a I guess it depends on the project I suppose maybe Moby Dick needed the right authentic voices in the right parts but then in other dramas you could get actors in to do five or six different silly voices and that would be all right (laughs) Um, I guess it's a genre thing isn't it judging yeah and time and era and all those kind of things yes of of, yeah of, of authenticity I think is the word people use a lot these days don't they um and yeah that, that's really good that you're using those voice fields I mean just to, to reflect on that for a moment what what kind of things have you found with voice reels that the, the, the best ones are they like a minute long two minutes long because this is the age-old question and I've done a few medieval episodes on it uh, to try and fathom what works for casting people so what do you look for in it what's a good reel got on it <laughs> Well, I think uh, it's good to have a couple of different reels, I think. So uh, having a, a narration reel, yeah. which is just your your voice as your voice, is really helpful mm. um, for fluency and for hearing the timbre of your voice and how it actually is. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the time, particularly if you're using people for the first time or if you're using them in a sort of straightish drama or a, something classical, mm. You're probably going to largely cast them as their natural voice, yeah, I would say. Right. Mm. So you want you want to hear that, um, but then also it's valuable to have a reel which demonstrates the accents you can actually do, not the ones you think you can yes. do, the ones you can actually do. Yeah. So that if I've just been working on a, a, a project where we had, thankfully it was lovely, we could get actors in and give them five or six different little bits mm. across a six-hour thing. Yeah. And then you want to hear what accents they can do which are believable right yes <laughs> um so perhaps something that's maybe a bit more cartoony or whether it's a kid's book or something a bit like a comedy or something then that's valuable too yeah. um but then you know you don't need too much of it you need you know 20 seconds 30 seconds something like that mm. and i also find these advert reels a bit tricky okay because it's a lot of imitation isn't it yeah it feels like yes where you're just sort of imitating someone's other someone else's delivery bounty style of something or other yes yeah i mean maybe that's good for people who are making commercials i suppose maybe that's what that's for (laughs) but yeah i mean i think i've been sort of saying to folks yeah having an audio fiction reel and some kind of either audio book titled or narration titled reel is grand and things like animation and video games can also be your audio fiction reel right all of those three styles could potentially overlap and some are more as you've mentioned the word already cartoony you know than others with especially with animation you know you can go all over the place whereas perhaps for audio fiction 
majority of the time you're going to have a lot of uh, more natural accented characters unless you're playing drunk Helen of course but yeah I think there's a lot of a lot of fun to be had in those reels so thank you that's good to hear your thoughts on that with somebody who who casts from them uh, <laughs> I think it's about time now we just have a, a little look at the the shape of, of Moby Dick as well so how uh, as far as running is concerned so you've got the the folks cast you've let them know through agents or otherwise yeah we want you to play how do the logistics work on organizing folks to do what you need them to do um well yeah obviously we just we we sort of cast them with the 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 scheduled hours already largely Mm -hmm. and then allow people to come back with questions on their character i suppose if they want to and get in touch and have a chat if need because obviously you're asking people to turn up you know very prepped yes time to mess about a bit but you know you want something there to work with from the off yes so that's very important and a lot of people don't get in touch and they're happy and they they understand why they've been cast and what their role is within it but i guess it depends on the individual Mm -hmm. some people need a bit more well, they like to sort of get a bit more involved and ask some questions and stuff. But, uh, you know, other than that, we're, yeah. we're seeing you at the studio, like straight in there. Straight in. Yeah. So no other input potentially other than stand behind and, the mic and get yeah, on with and, it. And, and <laughs> what's always amazing is the sort of first morning where you realise how brilliant actors are. Um, maybe it's because I was perhaps oh, not the yeah. best professional actor and so <laughs> I always Stop. have that moment where I'm like of course you of course you're brilliant of course you are um which is you know the highlight yeah no that's that's grand and I think that whole thing of being in a studio as well as a voice actor can be quite exciting and you've mentioned like encouraging new talent is there anything you do to help newer folks kind of assimilate to being in that environment assuming they've probably had lots of different experience acting but perhaps being in a studio for such a bigger profile project might be quite fun <laughs> yeah and I think you've got to be you know you've got to be open to to, to it, people being inexperienced and needing more reassurance and mm. therefore taking more time um, with individuals people get nervous obviously mm. and therefore things do take longer um, there are others obviously who've been doing it for donkey's years and are very relaxed and are surprised if you need to do it more than twice okay um, so it's just I think that's your role really as a director is to be accommodating to everybody mm. and being patient and not being too stressed about your blinking schedule and making <laughs> sure that, you know, I think it's really important that people have a nice time. And, yeah. you know, as again, as in, having been an actor, you need to feel like you're doing a good job. And I think that's when you start losing actors a bit or they start struggling is because they don't feel like they're giving their best or yeah. they're being allowed to give their best. Yeah. That doubt does creep in. Because uh, I was going to ask you about that, the role of the director, especially in the studio. I mean, collaborative-wise, who else are you really connecting with in that space other than the actors? And how do you run that studio for that day? Yeah, so we have a, a obviously just have an engineer and an assistant who's sort of marking chosen takes and keeping an ear out for errors. Mm-hmm. But that's largely that's largely it. Uh, and obviously engineers coming up with any technical issues or, you know, people who like to wander around the mic or whatever it might be. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the assistant is sort of flagging any necessary pickups that I might miss. Right. But, you know, trying to create a nice atmosphere. I think people work their best when they're relaxed and having fun and 
keep it sociable and keep it light and you don't try and work too quickly but at the same time don't mm. dawdle on stuff that doesn't need dawdling on you right know, yeah actors are good they know what they're doing they've largely mm. prepped um and so as long as you've cut again it comes back to that casting thing as long as you've got the right people in the right roles yeah you, you, you don't need to be thinking about too much Mm-hmm. And how do you nurture your own kind of best director side? What do folks need to do if they, they want to level up as being a better director? What kind of things can they do? Well, oh, I don't know. It's a very personal thing, isn't it? I, mm. as, as, as anyone, I'm you know, anxious and concerned about what I'm doing and um, worry before the first day of a recording and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but you just have to... You know, you have to know the text better than anyone. That's vital, I think. Yeah. Um, obviously, yes, actors are prepped, but ultimately they might only be prepped with what they're doing. And it's important that you're more clued up on what's happening than anyone else. Mm. It's important that you're patient, definitely. Mm. It's important that you're clear with your instructions. It's important that you can accept a mistake, you know, particularly if you're not recording chronologically, which okay. likely you're not. Mm. Um, and someone might be like, no, that's not right because this happens before that happens. And you're like, oh yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like to create a nice atmosphere. I find that it's important for me. I stress out a little bit mm. if I'm worried that people aren't enjoying the experience. Yeah. And how, how do you do that? What what things would you do to make that groovy? Just crack loads of stupid jokes I don't know wear loud shirts no cast some people who you know are funny (laughs) yes that's a good top tip yeah and 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 successes wise as a as a director can you think of something that you really thought I've made a difference here I really feel like that has won the day (laughs) yeah I think that I think Obviously, we're talking about people coming, like I said, with a with a level of performance already. Yeah. You might find that someone's misjudged the text or misjudged what their role is within it. Mm. Um, right. And it's about instinct, isn't it, as a director, in the same way that it is as an actor. And sometimes you might instinctively feel that someone's working against the text or working against what they're being given by another actor. And I think yeah. one of the biggest parts about making... Because there's sometimes these dramas are eight hours, you're a bit pressured for time is being succinct yeah. with what you're saying and just being able to slightly redirect someone's approach mm. succinctly and eloquently yeah so that they see it differently yeah and that's through questioning and what other techniques can people play with well, yeah not not giving it to them as well and not saying you know giving them the opportunity to figure it out for themselves yeah um, and, and and again, that comes back to actors feeling confident because they feel like they've made the decision themselves. Yeah, ownership is key. <laughs> ownership. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think what I really enjoy with the audio drama is the action sequences, which can be lengthy sometimes. And that's where mm. I think you come into your own a little bit with audio drama in terms of pacing and action and response and stuff that's not on the line, yes. between the line ad-lib sort of grunts and that sort of thing um which we all love i love that there's <laughs> yeah, a lot of that in yeah. marty scripts and there's a lot of that in the adaptations that we've done yeah yeah and i mean i, I want to turn to some clips which you've very generously shared of a few wireless productions because it just is a bit impossible to get rights for for, for maybe dicks we thought we'd th- showcase some audio awesome from wireless and i guess 
within these as well, there's a wonderful sense of space in the the audio dramas. And when you record that in a studio, is it that folks are just you know either in a circle or a line or however you've decided to set them up, or do you do sort of roving about and have people in different spaces and further away and to create that while you're recording, or is that done in post? Well, we we tend to record everyone in stereo on it like a you know this is a pre-covid uh, in, a, in a studio right. on a stereo pair and we do place people and i do like the sense that comes with someone coming onto the mic and going back off the mic i mean again actors yeah. are all different and some actors do that naturally some actors mm. are happy to do it if you suggest it and some don't want to and they're happy obviously you can put that in afterwards but it's nice to create that real feel by placing people and having people coming in and out and moving around. Obviously with COVID, we haven't been able to do that and everyone's been individually mic'd, so it's taken a lot more time in post right. to sort that mm. out. Moby Dick was a nightmare for that because you've got you know three boats placed differently on the high yes. seas and everyone's shouting from various places. <laughs> yeah. So that takes quite a lot more thought. But mm. yeah, I mean, I, I do enjoy that active approach. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's quite fun as an actor as well to have that uh, yeah feeling that you are acting in that space rather than sedentary as well. It's quite fun to, to play with sometimes. Yeah, it's nice and it feels like you're really doing something, you know. I think mm. you come away feeling like you've had a real acting experience. Yes. You know, yes, rather yeah. than just sitting on a high stool and reading This is it. The journey paper. is often more exciting than the destination. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so let's have a look at some of these clips then. So the first one we're going to listen to is from Darkwater Bride, again by the amazing Marty Ross. So let's have a listen and see see what the listeners think. Here we go. Where are you? Where are you hiding? Where in this... Ah! Ah! Damn! Where in this dark? That's right. Ow! Where? This rancid, rotten... Fish stinking dark! Indeed. Let your eyes adjust. Open to the dark. The floor, see? Littered with scraps of fish, of eel, of crab, of crushed crustacean. Blind eyes and racks of gut. The stench, the river, the sea yields up her dead. Who are you? Who are you? I need answers, not riddles. Not games. What if I am one of the river's dead? Are you? Are you frightened now? Of a ghost? No ghost. Not I. What then? Who then? No ghost. Not I. But I have my ghosts. Carry them, drag them with me everywhere. Would you care to see my ghosts? They might frighten you indeed. I just want to know who you are. Why, at first you tried to frighten me off, and now it seems you want to frighten me in. Perhaps I needed someone. Perhaps I need you to know this. Worth the baggage. <laughs> Good enough to eat. Spit out the bones. You see them. Men. 
Masked men. The rules of the house, my dear. The pledge is set. <laughs> my dear, I love you. What? Oh, she'll sink deep. My darling. Feed the fish. <laughs> my pledge. Rot in the depths. <laughs> my future. And never heard of again. <laughs> Is this a dream? A nightmare? My dream. My nightmare. My endless, endless. <sighs> Let no man steal your time. Let no man steal. A woman is a branchy tree, a man's a clinging vine. And from her branches carelessly, he'll take what he can find. So, yeah, so, so can you tell me why you've chosen to showcase this as something that is showcasing things in audio fiction that are amazing. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I, I quite liked the sort of. I mean, the performance is good. I thought the mm. the, the lead girl, uh, Freya Maeva, was wonderful. She, yes. I don't think she'd done a huge amount of audio drama. She just totally got the format, and she put Fantastic. so much mm. physicality into it naturally. And I liked the the placement of the Darkwater Bride, who's the sort of foreign yes. accented character um, within the warehouse and then the sort of nightmarish sequence with the men yes. and then the music and the sound effects. I just thought it was a very good marriage of a real situation becoming distorted mm. and uh, how you can sort of track that and um, again, it's it's everything coming together, isn't it? It's the it's the performances, it's the the, the script and the visualization of the script, the music and and the soundscape. I just think it's a good sort of yes. blend. I agree. Yes, I I love things like you know that that building heartbeat underneath, or the the sudden silence at the end yeah. of the, <laughs> you know all, all the use of, of pause and silence as well. I think in these are wonderful, but I think especially as well that music build underneath, as well as the builds in the voices and the, yeah. Uh, yeah, the drama behind it all is 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 very exciting, and that really works to showcase that horror genre. Lots of elements of what makes horror so good in order. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I, yeah, I think the script was was gruesome enough, and I think it it didn't take much to take it on. Uh, it's a mm. it's a, it's a good one. I enjoyed it. It was ours. Well, let's look to our second one, which is a, a little change of pace in a way. The Orient Express, oh, the yes. murder on the Orient Express, which is more narration kind of led, and a lot of audio drama still does uh, lie heavily on that, which some people get very cross about, which is a shame, and some people uh, absolutely revel in and enjoy and will do nothing less. So, <laughs> so yes, let's have a, a little listen to some Orient Express and have a think about how that narration works. So here we go with some Orient Express. Murder on the Orient Express, Sarah. Read properly. <laughs> it's quite famous. <laughs> uh, yeah, people might have heard of it. The great detective fell asleep. 
Poirot awoke with a start. He knew what it was that had wakened him. A loud groan, almost a cry, somewhere close at hand. Where was it coming from? The next compartment? That of Ratchet? What? Twenty-three minutes to one. Why have we stopped? We are not due to reach a station for... Um... Poirot got out of bed and opened the door just as the wagon lead conductor came hurrying along the corridor. He knocked on Ratchet's door. No answer. Poirot kept his door open a crack and watched. The conductor tapped a second time. Monsieur? Monsieur Ratchet? You rang? Poirot returned to bed and switched off the light. But Poirot found it impossible to sleep. Why was the train still not moving? He looked outside. The train was not stopped at a station and snow lay thick on the ground. Looking at his watch, he saw that it was just after a quarter past one. Poirot lay awake and stared at the ceiling. Outside, all was so quiet. But every noise inside the train sounded unusually loud. In the next compartment to his, number two, he could hear movement and the tap running in the wash basin. And in the corridor, he could hear the shuffling footsteps of someone in bedroom slippers. His throat was dry and his bottle of mineral water was empty. His finger reached for the bell, but before he could ring... Oh, someone is impatient. Madame, you rang? Conductor, at last! What can be wrong, oh, Madame Hubbard? Oh, something terrible! Come in here! Oui, bien sûr, mais dites-moi. Come in, come and look! Oui. Something must have upset the American lady. She, she is so highly strung. It was perhaps nothing. Well, I shall have to wait for my thirst to be quenched. All is well now, Madame. Hey, conductor, may, may I have a bottle of Vichy water? Certainly, monsieur. What, what, what is the matter? You seem uh, discomposed. I, I could not but overhear your words with uh, Madame Hubbard. Imagine to yourself the time I have had with that woman. Oh? Oh, please excuse me, monsieur. A thousand apologies. I talk out of turn. Uh, conductor, conductor, I suspect Madame Hubbard will one day drive a man to murder. <laughs> Come inside for a moment. She insists. Insists that there was a man in her compartment. Oh? In a space of this size, monsieur. <laughs> Where would he conceal himself? Okay, uh, love all of those wonderful little moments. So, yes, so uh, wonderful piece of, of narrative action there, and underpinned and, and story told through sound, too. So, yeah, why have you chosen this clip to share with us? Um, well, I mean, I, I, I wasn't a, you know, massively familiar with the detail of that story before we took that 
project on but what I, I like mm. about this obviously this is a very key sequence in terms of the story but I like yeah. I really enjoy and I think this is what people who love Agatha Christie and Poirot enjoy is the detail is the fine yeah. detail that comes up later on and crops up later on and this sequence is full of that and what was vital with this is that we make sure that everything is very precise and very heard because it's all yeah. important. Yes, it's not cluttered. And that's what a lot of folks making audio fiction find really difficult. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important, you know, because I find as a, as a listener in general, not just with this project specifically, but is you've got to leave space for everything. Otherwise you can't follow it yeah. as a listener. Yeah. And obviously a sequence like this where you do need to hear everything to follow it because it's going to come up later and it's very important. Yes. Um, it's vital that you give everything space and time to happen. Mm. And I think the narration is lovely because it is gentle and it's paced perfectly. So it leads you into a slower paced scene. Mm. And, and, and as I recall, I think this section is perhaps two or three, maybe even four short scenes mm-hmm. linked together by music and narration. Um, and we were lucky actually that the sound designer uh, the guy who we always use called Joe Richardson who's Hooray. brilliant yeah. and only, only getting better is that uh, he worked on the Orient Express and he took no way. his stuff with him he was doing some other sound job and I was like just record yourself just walk up and down <laughs> open the doors like open the awesome. windows and record it all so all the sound effects on that train in that drama or authentic soundtrack. that's wonderful i love that that's even more exciting now (laughs) so yeah i think it's a good example of the need for and you know we're talking about action scenes before make sure everything's got its space otherwise you've got no idea what's going on yeah even just down to like the resonance of the sound design there like the the act the woody sounding knock right it's the right kind of sounding knock isn't it Do you know what i mean it's yeah. it all just seems to really conjure up the visual image because you know we are very lucky in this day and age to have had moving pictures for quite a while right so we've got so many frames of reference for the orient express you know you can easily conjure up what that's like um if you've had any kind of yeah media influence in your life visually but yeah, I, 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 that's why I, I love it as a, an example too. And well, you, mm. Your mind's going to take you there, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and you're there. And if something isn't right, if it's the wrong knock for whatever reason and you feel that it's the wrong knock, then you're gone yeah. and you're, you're out. Because who else, like, while they were listening to that, saw what shape the hand was knocking on that door? Because I did. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that for, for that. And the narration, beautifully done, obviously, by some, some fellow who's done some stuff. Um <laughs> No, he's absolutely wonderful actor. Um, so, yeah, third clip. We're going to go for swashbuckling okay. madness now. Um, I adore this. And if you haven't listened to it, you better stop this podcast now and go and do it because it's glorious. Um, we need Treasure Island for women too. We need some more hearty women pirates in the, in the world. But this Hellcats. Aside, have you listened to Hellcats? No, I haven't. Is this a thing I should have known of and don't? I will get on it. I will get, jump get on and it. find it. I'll probably finish talking to you first though, if that's okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to wait. It's like eight hours long. Okay, so. no, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> so yes, Treasure Island. Now, again, a Marty Ross special. Um, but yeah, I think it needs no introduction let's have a listen and uh, talk about it after here we go Treasure Island come on move it come on put your feet up come on over here man and capstans come on lads let's get a force out right you there let's 
A little before dawn, the boatswain sounded his pipe and the crew began to man the capstan bars. I might have been twice as weary from the long night's work proceeding, yet I would not have left the deck. All was so new and interesting to me. The brief commands, the shrill note of the whistle, the men bustling to their places and the glimmer of the ship's lanterns. Quicker on that, Capstan! Let's see that foresail high! Tip us a stave, give us a song to work to! A song, lad? Yeah! Which song shall it be? Oh, you know the song! Yeah. <laughs> Fifteen men on a dead man's chest, join in! Join in! Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. There we go. What glorious singing. I hope you were in that chorus there somewhere, David. Probably. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> so I, just um, before we talk about why you've chosen it, I just want to just jump in and ask regarding the recording of that sequence. The narration, was it done completely separately or have you got people in the space doing groovy things around the main narrator? No, so t- tend to do the, the narration separately. Um, try and do it last. I think once you've sort of got through all of the scenes and you know the feel of a scene, obviously the, the narration in Treasure Island is... Jim Hawkins, who's also in it, yeah. Um, so it, it was helpful. He was, I think, in most scenes, from what I recall. Um, so it made sense to to do it that way. But I think it's sensible because you can sort of hark back to what you've done within a scene and match the narration to the action in terms of the pitch of it, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, what I like about that clip is it, what it, you know, that's the sort of scene that when I've given the script, I'll be like, oh god. <laughs> Because it's like, so well done. Right, we've got to get a tune for this song mm. and we've got to get that to the actors before we get in the studio because we can't be there teaching them the tune at yep. the time. So that's annoying. And then we've got a, all that wild track stuff in the background, which is very bespoke and has to be right to that scene. So that's a wild track session. So it's like the sorts of things that really like feel like insurmountable hurdles when you first read Massive. it. Massive, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then obviously once you get to it and it's made and you listen to it you're like of course it's worth it right obviously it's you know you the more wild track the better Uh, you know you need all that stuff there and it and it's worth it but at the time when you're prepping it's just feels like a lot you know yeah and I think that that's what's glorious about it though isn't is that that build to it and you know with the sound of the chains and the hauling and everything else happening in the you know again it just creates that vivid picture and that feeling of depth of space as well right so we've got you know the foreground narrator who's either in our vision or not just a voice and uh, and then yes all this amazing activity happening at different distances from from wherever the front of our picture might be I, I just love it for that and I think trying to get that kind of depth of, of sound design is something that a lot of people chase have you got any top tips for folks creating that kind of um, atmos well I mean I would say that you need to be willing to, like I was talking about the prep, you need to be willing to be, to take the time and layer it properly. Yeah. So you need the dialogue with the supporting ad-libs, but not too much, but then you need a, so that it's, you don't want anything encroaching on the dialogue. And then obviously you need a wild track of generic stuff. Yeah. And then you need, you know, sound effects that you notice, like you're talking about the chains and the ropes and stuff. Yeah. But then you also need backdrop stuff seagulls waves whatever 
and you need to be willing to put time in annoyingly that's the only way to make it that rich i suppose um and you know over a six eight hour drama it's it's a lot of work but it is it is worth it um and that you know that's the moment where they set sail i think and at the end of that scene there's this roaring sort of setting sail music cue yes and it, it pays off in those moments that you've you've built it you know um mm. and actually another reason is it's quite reminiscent of moby dick obviously we haven't got moby dick clips unfortunately but um that 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 sort of group of fellas and the heaving of the ropes and the setting sail is very reminiscent of moby dick which is another reason why i picked it yeah i mean i wonder if you could just touch on the the mix of voices too and as much as obviously you know man with piratey voice you know we've we've all got one even us women and non-binary folks have got a brilliant piratey voice but yeah having that mix where each one is an intelligibly different character audibly is obviously down to the casting and how how have you made sure that the landscape of that works so people don't get confused as to who's who i mean that's that's tricky and and also when you're casting with a company like Audible and people can't do it and you move down the line of the people that you've shortlisted, that can get a bit muddy. Yeah. You've got an idea of how people are going to sound mm. together. I mean, I felt quite strongly, maybe it's because I'm from Bristol, but <laughs> I didn't want the narration to be a coarse Bristolian accent throughout because <laughs> I can't remember exactly, but it was probably 40% narration in that drama. Okay. And I just felt it would be grating over time to have that. So I thought a really neutral... Mm-hmm voice uh for Jim as a sort of you know pinning down thing right. and then you're able to be more creative with the people around it but you've got to be careful a little bit that it doesn't turn into a sort of voice Lynch pin workshop that, yeah. and everyone mm. sounds different for no reason and it's just a bit of a do you know what I mean and it needs to be justified why people sound the way that they do so okay. they had some yeah. quite extreme yeah. West Country accents but some tried to keep them just a bit more subtle mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it just doesn't become, like you say, indistinguishable. You can't tell who's who. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Oh, we're also going to go to another epic tale to uh, the uh, amazing Arabian Nights. Now, this um, I think was a, a, a triumph of uh, of a fantastic storytelling. And uh, yeah, why have you chosen this clip to share with us today? Um, it felt like a real achievement at, at the time. You know. We were talking about casting earlier and the sort of the, the way you get people from in order to make a cast, whether it's people that you've worked with before or people who've been in touch or people mm. you, you find. But with this, with the uh, demands of needing an authentic Middle Eastern cast, largely, we had to start from scratch pretty much and we held auditions and got people in. Yes. And it felt a real achievement when. It, it came together in the way that it did. Again, it's testament to Marty's writing and to Joe's work, definitely. Mm-hmm. But um, the authenticity of the voices makes it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So without further ado, let's hear the people being absolutely astounding. Here we go. Like now, like Omar, Omar. Speak the words. But what about... Uh... Let, murder a little more elegantly next time and you'll get your turn, Omar. Open sesame! You see, boss? You can't even do that right. Uh, I, uh... Quiet! If black art is to make the bowels of the earth shake, a mere thing like a man must be patient. You see? 
you hear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mighty rock itself responds. Yeah, Never got a better reward for a day's killing, boys, than the magic in those two simple words. Behold, the earth itself opens. And indeed, even as Ali watched from his hiding place, he saw the mightiest of all the rocks blocking the end of the ravine grind to one side, as if it were a djinn submitting to a wizard's spell and shifting aside from all it guarded. Beyond, a great black depth of cave appeared. <laughs> there we are! They are home and a hiding place fit for men who've done a day's work. In we go, lads. All this gold is bowing the back of my horse. Forward. Forward to 40! Forward to 40! Ali watched as the whole band of brigands, and he did indeed count 40 of them, rode their jingling weight of silver and gold into the cavern. As soon as the last one of them had crossed the threshold, Close, Sesame! The mighty rock closed over the mouth of the cave once more. Fantastic. So, yeah, I, I, I love that also for how the characters sort of are one moment talking more intimately, almost conspiratorially, and then the next out to the open air. And again, that sense of space, I think, is is wonderfully represented in this, as well as, of course, the richness of the, the sound design there. Um, yeah, so what, what, what other reasons would you feel that that is a showcase of some groovy audio fiction right there. <laughs> well, we, you mentioned narration briefly earlier on and, and like how there is resistance to narration in some quarters and then others who are mm. very sort of in love with that as a genre. And I think that we have had various percentages of narration across different dramas. But I think mm. that um, in that clip, as an example, the juxtaposition of the narration versus the action is wonderful because... Yeah. She's telling a story, obviously, Scheherazade is telling the Arabian Nights stories to uh, Shahriar, and that's mm. the setting. But then you have that against these sort of violent, aggressive thugs, like ho yes. hollering, um, and then also the, 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 the open sesame stuff as well. And it's a completely different feel, and you can only get that with narration, can't you? Yeah. There's no way yep. you could have that otherwise. And yeah, that absolutely. switch from one to the other is, I think, really dramatic, but mm. also gives you a, a completely different feel to yeah. just having a dramatic scene. Yeah, and your brain can take it all in, can't it? And that's the thing, is if it's done correctly... <laughs> and timed right, it needs to be timed yeah, right. timing, And fitting very key. in correctly. And again, you know, Marty mm. does that well um, and have the right voices, like I think a narrative voice is important to get right over a long piece yes um, and you obviously want fluency and stuff like that but you want a easy listening voice and you don't want yes. too much drama in the narration if there's a lot of drama in the scene yeah there's so many variables isn't there you're right about yeah the, the time pace and style and t 
timbre, timbre. I never know how to say that word. Timbre of people's voices, yeah. uh, as well. I, I I do agree, and I think as well that the fact that again the picture has been painted very clearly <laughs> is something that I think yeah. Have a listen again to all of those clips, folks, and just you know see what picture's been painted and and how. What is the technique that has been used there to really make everything beautifully clear and um, well thank you for sharing those clips today that's really kind of you and wireless to to let us have a, a delve into some audio excellence so there you go some modeling for you folks to enjoy uh, <laughs> i mean coming out of that we're sort of talking the the business end of podcasting if you like um how have you managed to fund these wireless projects collaboratively is that something that is also kind of paying union rates or is it very much still uh, independently funded yeah wireless's independent productions are still sort of self-funded i suppose um and that's right. the only way we have to do it um mm. unfortunately and that money's from the collaborative uh, subscription to the wireless website is it so you get funds from no from well, that? everything's free on wireless now Okay. All wireless plays are on on the website are, are completely free. Fantastic. Um, so we we make these audible productions and we make a bit, not a lot, and then we're able to fund the smaller, sort of the the, the, the like shorter in duration dramas, I mm. suppose. So it's plowed back in, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, grand. And and what can uh, a wireless indie production kind of budget wise? What kind of shape is it looking like at the moment in these crazy COVID times? Um, well, <laughs> yeah. Sadly, it's it's very tight, isn't it? Um, and and we're just, as with a lot of people, trying to do what we can to keep things moving. We're not making as much as we used to do, unfortunately. Mm. Um, mm. And yeah, like you say, it's because of the way things have been over the last sort of couple of years. Yes. Um, it's not that it's taken a back seat, but it's had to be gone about in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey-ho, we're all doing the best we can. <laughs> cool. And with regards to uh, the whole kind of uh, extra added value to things, so musicians and music and things, do you have sort of tried and tested folks you utilise or is there certain sound places you go to add amazingness to your show? Um, so so I, I, I'm quite loyal sort of. I like to be loyal. So I, I mentioned Joe before for sounds on. We used a guy called Francesco Quadraropolo, uh, wonderfully named a nightmare for people reading credits um, <laughs> for, for music. And it's I, I feel very much that it's a collaboration between yeah. the three of us. Great. Um, I would always sort of credit Joe next to me. I think that's right with mm. what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been using Fran for a lot of years and he as you can hear hopefully from the clips that have music in them there um is very natural at feeding in the music yes. at the right it's a skill isn't it i mean so, just the adding to the tension the humor whatever it's just music is so important i do feel and because of you know sometimes the cost of it or the fact that you know we've heard so many of the same music being used in indie things from the free sites. So bless those amazing musicians for offering up their music. But yeah, it's so key, isn't it, to the storytelling process music. I genuinely feel like you can't have enough. Like if you Mm. could afford to pay someone to obviously 
dependent on the piece but score the entire thing mm-hmm. and that's what you'd ide- ideally be working towards i mean something like treasure island could have score the oh, whole wow. way through yeah that's yeah. not possible obviously for yeah. us but <laughs> that would be you would wouldn't you there's no reason not to yeah i think because it, it makes it yeah just punctuating those moments and the drama and the action and the euphoria or whatever it might be yeah Absolutely. And I mean, I know you've done previously with wireless live shows, but would you take any of these kind of epics and bring them to a live audience for audio fiction? That would be so cool, wouldn't it? Um, perhaps not <laughs> eight it? hours long, but maybe <laughs> like it. Right. I don't know. I love a little know, overnighter. Right. Let's, you know, people watch all the Matrixes That's in a row. True. Why not go and see an audio fiction all night, right? That'd be an adventure. Bring That's your own it. sleeping bag. Bring a picnic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, I, I loved doing the live stuff um, when we did more of it um, and would happily do do some now. But I think with the live stuff, you need to pick the right thing that's interesting to yes. watch being recorded. Thumbs on seats, yeah. Because um, it's yeah. quite a unique thing, doing live. Yeah. Although that with the live Foley too, right, would be yeah, blooming amazing. <laughs> Love that. that a few times myself. <laughs> yes. See, I'm a lover of that. I think more folks, if they do live stuff, need to have more live well, Foley that, tables. Actually, if you're going to do a live show, you, you've got to do live Foley and live music because otherwise, what yes. are people watching? Yes. Yeah. People behind stand behind mic with a script or iPads these days more more often than not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and also, I mean, with regarding sort of problem solving within that whole creative process from initial writing, casting, recording, and beyond. Um, yeah, what 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 are the biggest problems you feel you've had to solve, and any top tips you can give folks to help overcoming things that are difficult? Well, you know, I think the, the biggest challenge is is being patient not just in studio but with a project in general it's a long old process making a long audio drama and you know from the moment you get the script and it's sort of bigger than the encyclopedia and you have a mild panic attack you know that you know you've got to be patient with the prep and thorough with the prep and then in post-production similarly be patient don't allow because there's always an instinct to say oh that bit will be all right you know but you've got to pay attention <laughs> to detail and not letting stuff go by and go mm. back to stuff if you have to and get people back in and do it again or uh right you know d- don't settle i think it's yeah when something's eight hours long you think oh i can settle for that bit being a bit mediocre but um okay mm. But no. <laughs> so it's quality control, really, you're and talking about, really, long, isn't it? Yeah. You know, production, that's a lot of time involved. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, you said that actually. What's the timeline for Moby Dick for the eight hours that you had from from Marty writing well, it? Well, I mean, obviously, it, <laughs> to it got postponed release. because of blinking COVID. But I think that, I think that he probably yeah. got about three months to adapt it, I think. Uh, would like mm. longer, probably didn't get longer. And then I would ideally like. <laughs> six weeks to plan because you want to be casting for probably three weeks so when you're casting you need to be scheduled pre-casting so yeah six yeah. weeks maybe and I think we did a week and a half mm. in studio mm. um, and again that took longer because of the restrictions on the numbers and all that sort of jazz but and then I mean I, you know you want as long as possible don't you in post-production the longer the better so if you're allowed three months then take three months but you don't tend to get three months so I think probably six weeks maybe 
um, something like that. Okay. Wow. I mean, that's astoundingly short amount of time, really. <laughs> yeah. No, it it is. Um, it is. But hey. the time is money, isn't it? And studio time and everything, and your time and all the other creatives involved. Well, and deadlines. Paid. You get told a deadline, and you've got no. You can't do anything yeah. about it. Yeah, of course. And and how much sort of input have you had into sort of the future distribution and branding of it as a show? I mean, do you then, do you just deliver the package and it's often other folks kind of take over or have you had a hand in, in no, the next no, we stages? No, no, we don't. So we, we make it and we finish it and then we give it in and then hopefully it gets, particularly with something like Moby Dick, obviously being an American writer and American setting, hopefully we'll mm. get some good exposure in America. Um I yes. felt yeah. really like we'd achieved something with Moby Dick. Not that I haven't in the past, but I, th- I thought that it was a real challenge, not just because of the COVID thing, but mm. because of the nature of the drama and the demands of the action so sequences much. and the high season, all that sort of stuff. I felt it. And the casting. Mm. Think yeah, big. Yeah, and, and I love the casting it. <laughs> was really hard because it's very niche and the roles are so specific and it needs to be yeah. right because it's all in the novel, you know. Um, and yeah. so I felt when we'd got it decent at the end, I felt really proud. So hopefully, um, yeah, lots of people will listen to it here and in America. I, I love the epic. I love the epic of it. And I think, you know, some folks are like, audio drama is two people talking to each other. Uh, the, you know, that's generally, the, that's where the drama is. And then it goes to another scene where maybe two, maybe three people talk. And But the epic of... Uh, yeah, the the ones we've showcased today, um, I think, uh, are things I'd love to see more of on the landscape. Take some risks, yeah. make some bigger, more amazing stories with as many folks as you possibly can. Unless it's your first production, I think if you're doing starting off, <laughs> maybe a massive epic with fifty million characters, perhaps isn't the first the best way to up your skills. <laughs> what do you but, say? <laughs> but you know what's wonderful about it though is that when you do do these epics that some of the best scenes are the two-handers as a right. result yeah because yeah. suddenly you have that just really natural drama dynamic between yeah. two people with yes. high stakes and then those scenes can be amazing yes this is true with the right actors and uh, everything else we've talked about today behind them then yes yes there is power in that absolutely <laughs> in the simplicity give me a blinking simple drama for god's sake <laughs> Well, this is it. You've done so many big, 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 massive things. What have you got your eye on next, David? What's, what are you planning to? I'm sure you've got fingers in many pies. Um, yeah, I ha- I've been quite. It's been good actually. Been busy doing. Cool. Um, we well, have just finished the Hand of the Baskervilles. <gasps> wow, an another classic. Lovely, yeah. good, good. Which was fun. Um, yes. I've just finished J.K. Rowling's new book. It's called The Christmas Pig. <laughs> Um, and then I'm doing an audio book, actually, like a one voice audio book that's cool, um, called Night Salui. I did the first one. Okay. And this is the second one. And it's really fun because it's all of that sort of natural soundscape is gone. Yes. It's all just silly mucking about, blinking, fart jokes, and stuff like that. And it's just Sounds grand. quite a, a nice tonic. Yeah. And how do you find working with that one actor on that? style of uh, recording as opposed to many actors in a studio cake creating epic yeah it's really different it's, it's, it, yeah. I've done a few books obviously largely do dramas and a few one voice books and I find mm. it more exhausting <laughs> just like 
Really? Um, it's the concentration, yeah. perhaps, is it? Looking at, you know, <laughs> 250 pages of bulk text of one voice. And I find that I make way more errors in that than I do in the dramas. Where I'm like, oh, I missed that. And oh, I missed that. Maybe it's just sort of <laughs> tuning your ear to something different. Yeah, yeah, no, there's there's much to be said for it. And I, I think, uh, you know, there are fans of all different medium of audio fiction, aren't there? And I think uh, as long as the stories being told are as amazing as possible, they're all beautiful, right? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you heartily for coming to talk no to problem. us today. I think it's been some wonderful insights into various aspects of making. And uh, yeah, I, I do hope that folks, if they haven't already, jump in and have a little browse of the amazing stuff on the wireless website as well as of course you know i'm sure you've heard of audible they've got a few books and bits and bobs on their on their website and uh, yeah more more to come right and i i do love the the whole thing with audible i think they've been quite encouraging of the indie circuit and i know that you know they have had pitch programs and things like that which have uh, a few of friends of mine have, have gone in for and i'm not sure how successful anyone's been yet but it's exciting to see that you know there is that little hand up moment coming from the the, the bigger guns and uh, long may that continue <laughs> um so yeah happy creating with whatever adventures you, you have much. next and uh, yeah thank you for, for giving us your wonderful time and advice you thank legend you, have fun you. all right Bye-bye. all the best bye Whoa there, Nelly. Hold your horses, your hertzes, and take a little break there, won't ya? Yeah, it's the end of another glorious, jam-packed episode of Indie AF. Ah, oh, dear. How'd that happen? And, uh, well, what have we learned today, kids? Uh, to be more adventurous and organised, to find wondrous collaborators, mayhap, to always look to the next project. <laughs> yeah, all of that and more. So much more. And thanks to Muddy also for this top five this week. I'm excited to look up a few of those. I haven't uh, heard them before. So do send me yours on quirkyvoices at gmail.com, please. MP3, one to five minutes. And tell us why you like the show and, and what it is that drew you to, to being such a fan. And, and don't forget to also share your own shows or social media links to you as well. You know, it's free publicity. I don't know why people are battering this door down. So onwards, people of creative endeavours, to the last Chatterama of the season next week with the beauteous, sold John Grills of Small Town Horror, Creepy Pod, and more. With the most adventurous beginning to a podcast I've done in a little while, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I might run a competition to uh, see who can name the most horror tropes I've used in an introduction ever witnessed before. <laughs> anyway. Happy creating, you legends, and do hear me next week. <laughs> uh, please do ping a review out, if you like, into the uh, into the ether somewhere, telling other folks what you think about this pod. I'd love to know. See, it does take a while to ping, zing, and ding-a-ling-ding this together, so it doesn't show, does it? But it does. <laughs> and uh, I just think that any hint that people are enjoying it and folks sharing they're enjoying it um, just continues to make me happy indeed and hopefully will inspire other creatives to hunt this show down and listen as I will also feel more inspired to hunt other creatives down could be you to talk all things the craft of audio fiction creation well I do look forward very much to you listening have a wonderful week take care bye bye
I do love to be beside the seaside. Kane. Fields. Are we ever going to use our real names again? As far as I can remember. So what have you scoped out in this weird town? It exists in a, in a matter of matters. A demon held by tongs by the tongue. <laughs> Get back, wild beast. Your tempered souls cannot touch the soil. As far as I can remember. I think the freest I've ever been was when I was dressed up as Hobbs the Tiger from Calvin and Hobbs for the Halloween. Mock turtle soup. One calf's head. Juice of half a lemon. As far as I can remember. Canaan Fields, Day Trippers. Solve the mystery of Twomey St. Dunstan's.